Hi, hello, how are you? Welcome back to Something About, a podcast where we are going over the current season of death and other details. We are on chapter six. Um, All previous chapters are on Hulu, hashtag not sponsored, but I feel like I really should be, or at least be able to get like transcripts so I can just highlight what I want to say. That would be so much easier. I'd like to apologize now for my voice sounding extra raspier than it has been. Um, I'm just getting over the flu. I felt like death on Tuesday. Oh my god, this like totally matches up with the theme. And I am very thankful we had a snow day and a lot of people were complaining like it's a fake snow day. We didn't get that much snow. That's fine. I would have called out. But now I don't have to use PTO if I don't want to because I, again, felt like death. So I also apologize with me breathing out of my mouth because my nose is still very stuffy. I'm at that point when you have a cold or the flu. Um that you have the lingering cough and it kind of like hurts and it sounds gross and a stuffy nose. So like, that's fun. But on the snow day, when the snow was done and I had cleared the snow with the snow blower, I was starting to feel a little better because I took some Tylenol, Advil, Acetaminophen, Ibuprofen. I took something and I was feeling a little better. So my boyfriend suggested make an appointment at like a ready-med urgent care, um, one not in our town, but closer by. And I was able to get in that night and um, they did the sweet, sweet nose swab for COVID and the flu. And it was not COVID. And I told him, I go, my boyfriend has the flu. Like he guys saw you yesterday and he has the flu. So pretty sure that's what I have. And they were like, yeah, you're right. And so I got the sweet, sweet Tammy flu. Love her. And she has worked wonders. I feel better. Again, just the lingering stuffy nose and a really gross cough. But like thanks to modern medicine, I know some people don't like to take antibiotics for certain things and just like all natural remedies. And that's all well and good. But why not feel better sooner And just take like antibiotics. That's my thought. So today I did like a big clean, changed out the bed sheets, washed all the pillowcases, cleaned the bathrooms, like did a full scrub down because of our illnesses. And my favorite thing to do is when you clean the bed sheets, we give uh, our dog Jeannie Beanie a bath. She hates it. But she is getting more cooperative and it takes us five minutes because she's like, I want out. And I'm like, I know. So I do it super quick and then I change the bed sheets and then I shower and I put on fresh clean pajamas. And yes, it's like 3 p.m. on a Sunday, but whatever. And now you're just like clean on clean on clean. And I like to wait to change the bed till she's mostly dry because she likes to lay on it thinking she's doing something like your bed's wet now. It's not, and that's because I haven't changed it yet, Miss Ma'am. But, you know, she cooperated. She got a couple hard-boiled eggs out of it. She was the goodest of girls, and now she's a clean, silly little goose. And she's just laying next to me. She's the silent co-host of this podcast. 
Is there anything else? Oh, this week at work, it really got to me that I have coworkers that don't like literally none of them watch the same shows as me. I started watching The Sopranos because a couple people had started. I finished it. I started and finished it before any of them. Like one person started it months ago and still has not finished. Again, I started and finished within the month of December pretty much. There's six seasons. And the sixth season you could say is two seasons because it's 21 episodes long. So I don't know what some people's problems are in finishing shows. Like when I start one, I finish it. I got that shit done. And then also at work, like no one likes to talk shit. And I'm not saying talk shit about people we work with. We can do that. That's fun. But I'm saying like talk shit, like light, fun hearted things, you know, like silly, goofy girls. But instead, we want to go like deep into our souls and share like childhood trauma. And honestly, I'm already at work and that's traumatic enough. Like, let's have like funny conversations because I don't like I just I don't want to. Is that too much to ask? I don't know. I feel like it's not. But, you know, I just have to come to the conclusion that like I'm different. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but like different. And I guess that's it on like that subject. I just hope there can be a fellow coworker hired at some point that also is as obsessed with Bravo and just it can just be Bravo that they're obsessed with. I watch a lot of TV, but like Bravo is the bulk of it. And that would just be amazing if I had someone who I worked with who I can sit down and go, did you watch The Real Housewives? How about Vanderpump? Oh my God, right? No one does though. Yet everyone I work with will share housewife memes and be like, ha ha ha, that's so funny. And I ask them, have you watched that show? And they go, no. And I go, do you know the history behind that? No. I go, so then why are you using it? Because it's funny. And I go, well, you want to um, teach me history lessons on certain things that I use. And I've never watched that TV show, like Spongebob. I watched Spongebob when it first came out. May something, 1999. I watched the first two seasons and called it a day. And now I'm using current Spongebob memes. And you want to give me a history? Me? You're using Bravo ones. You're quoting Bravo and you don't realize it. Because you saw it on another show. And that show got it from Bravo. Bravo is pop culture. And you who loves all things pop culture does not know that. What? I could do like a whole PowerPoint presentation to my company about how everything they say in pop culture has related back to the real housewives, if not another Bravo show. I could. They could pay me to do it. I mean, they should pay me to do it. They could have me do it for free, but I would get enough joy from just doing it. But again, that's it. Um, I'm going to also apologize now if there are pauses or you hear me drinking liquid I already get a dry enough throat from doing this, but now that I have to breathe out my mouth, gross, I know, I have to take extra sips of water. One for hydration, two for like throat lubrication. So let's get to the topic at hand, death and other details. Chapter six, again, all chapters available on Hulu, hashtag not sponsored. Um, Spoiler warning now. And 
I think I did pretty good covering this episode because when I watched it, I was sick and I missed all of it. So it's titled Tragic. We see a um, computer screen and they're doing like an internet search. I don't know if it was Google or whatnot or like Ask Jeeves. I remember asking Jeeves and I never got the direct question that I wanted to answer like I do on Google for the most part. And the search is of Rufus Coatsworth and it brings him to like a YouTube page, YouTube-esque type page of the Charlie Holland's Last Call show. And the title of it is like World's Greatest Detective. And I'm assuming the gentleman across from Rufus is Charlie Holland. And they're talking about this impossible crime and how he solved it. And we see a young Imogen and the year 1992 comes across the screen. So that's like shit. That's like 30 some odd years ago. That's wild. And in this clip, he's talking about an old case, the Contessa, a Belgian bow, paint over a lock or something a necklace and like how gossip cracked this case and you know the difference between he goes on to, Rufus goes on to say the difference between a good detective and a great one is the truth and now we are back in present day um, Imogen and Sunil are in the throes of it and you know, they're done doing the deed and she's saying like, oh my God, the room is spinning. And he's like, no, you're, you just have seasickness, babe. Or maybe he just did it so good. The room is spinning, like good for him. And she looks at him and she doesn't know how he does it. And there's just a lot of fun banter back and forth between Sunil and Imogen and very similar sayings but with different words or phrases. But again, they mean the same thing. And he's like, you know, the ship versus his purpose. And she's like, I don't really have a purpose. I'm an assistant to a mid-level marketing executive. So she's just kind of like comparing their lives. And, you know, I wouldn't call myself a detective. And Sunia looks at her like, in the eyes and says well if I were on the phone with my mom now I would call you a detective so she's getting there and funnel cape got brought up in the conversations and he just wants to know what funnel cake is and now I really want funnel cake either funnel cake or fried dough very similar but I could go for either um, we now see all, or we learn that all the external walls from whatever deck they're on, I think it's deck C, but from whatever deck on to deck F are all giant motherboards. Like they tore down the walls as we saw in the last episode and they're all like giant motherboards, systems, computer stuff. And the, the, breeze from the ocean is keeping them cool on the boat so it's like perfect and uh Layla is on her computer and she can track it all the way back to November 2021 that's back when her source 
had tracked it to Argentina. And Teddy says that tracks because they were on the Buenos Aires South America tour. And Teddy is shocked that it's been operating under her nose this whole time. And Rufus tells her, like, it's okay because this whole thing is a logistical elephant. So, like, she, Teddy was so into her job, she didn't notice this. And fair enough, Victor Sams was doing his job in trying to hide it. Uh, Teddy is also not sure if Sunil is in on this whole big rigmarole, whatever it is. And Rufus says, like, I can't see how he could not be in on it because this is his boat. It'd be really hard to get past, like, slightly smaller walls on this boat and just everything else. It's his boat. He... He would know for the most part. So he goes to call Imogen. And Imogen is saying goodbye to Sunil. Uh, We are now in like the little jail cell on the ship. And Winnie tells Jules he admires him for what he did. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, I just, I did it to help the family. And she goes, you know, like, you want to change the world, but do like, fuck all. And Jules tells her, like, we're not the same. And when he's like, aren't we? Like, we're not alone. And then when he goes on to say how she and, like, whatever this group cult-like thing she's in want to reset the scales and get even with all the people who live above the law for far too long... And um, Jules and mentions, well, how are you going to do that when you killed Rufus's assistant? And when he's like, say what? And he's like, yeah, that wasn't some rich asshole that you killed. That was like a guy who worked for another guy. And neither of them are really that rich or like above the wall. And when he is shooketh because she thought she was doing something instead she just like killed someone for really no no i mean does anyone have a reason to kill a person but like you thought you were doing something and uh you didn't so now we're with anna and trip and they're singing in the bar area and they're singing come sail away and the crew is in like the dining area and they're getting ready for the next meal. We also see Llewellyn buttoning up his shirt and he has what looks like second degree burns on his chest because it's very red, very inflamed and like blistery. And we see a flashback to Hilda like dropping or pouring alcohol on him and then about to drop a lighter on him. And he's like, Whoa, you've been through some shit or whatever. And he gets burned. And then Trip looks to Anna because we're now back at the bar and they're singing. And he's telling her like, oh, you're a little pitchy. I mean, they're both high on cocaine and a little fucked up. So I think anyone would be pitchy. Alila is down 
on deck F with all these motherboards and she's setting up like hacking websites or some sort of hacking program a bunch of them that are going to run at the same time to try and get in to it and it's going to take a few hours to get in because she's running them all at once versus like days that it could take because they don't have days and we now see Imogen she's like outside on the deck it's beautiful out like no bad weather here and she goes to call Rufus but Rufus is coming up the stairs and he sees her and he's just happy she's unharmed and the look on Imogen's face is like what do you mean again with Tripp and Anna they continue to sing they're both doing it like really badly but they're still harmonizing badly uh agent Hilda Erickson is on the deck we see her sitting down about to like enjoy a little meal we see the Chens there grandma is telling Eleanor to like keep her guard up the deal is not done with the Callsworths yet or Colliers or Colliers because Colesworth is Rufus uh, Sunil is on the phone and he's going to send Imogen flowers and he hangs up but a different phone rings it's like a flip phone I know what a flip phone is I say like a flip phone because I'm not sure if it is a flip phone that he's answering okay I had a razor and on the other end of the phone is the man from Malta you know the gentleman in the white suit following them around uh he tells Sunil that you know we own you and we're always watching and Sunil is telling him like I will not spy for you I don't care what you do to me or the boat but like it's done and Imogen gets mentioned and he goes just don't hurt her and he goes to like hang up and snap the phone in half so it is a flip phone and Imogen and Rufus um have been there while and listening and Imogen asks if that was Victor Sam's and the look on Sunil's face is like fuck and the look on their face is like fuck but different types of like faces because one's like shit I'm caught and the other one's like oh damn son uh, Rufus asks Sunil if he owns the boat because it's not a money maker. Like, obviously, it's not doing well. And Sunil goes on to tell them, like, he went bankrupt trying to make this his dream and he ran out of options. So he decided to take dirty money. And with this new information, Sunil has now become an accomplice because they have found the servers. So whether or not he actually pulled the trigger in Keith slash Danny's murder, he's an accomplice for allowing it to happen and working under this Victor Sam's group. And Sunil goes on to say he doesn't know like what he was getting into when he agreed to take the money to finish the boat, Imogen doesn't care. Like, just keep going. And she asks, like, who is he? Where is he? And, you know, in order to make it right, you need to bring me Victor Sam's. 
and Sunil tries to tell her and Rufus that like that's not how this works and Rufus asks him well then how were you recruited and it goes back to about five or six years ago Sunil goes on to tell us he met with an assistant manager in Zurich Andres Windler which is the man who followed them around in Malta and the Andres tells him, you know, you need to, you know, if you're going to agree to these terms, there's one small request. And Victor will be following you the whole time. And we find out that the offer was to fund his project in full. But he was going to make it just a couple of specific technological changes. And... No questions will be asked. The deal is on the table until I walk out this door and then it's off and you're on your own, kid. Obviously, Sunil takes the deal and he took the offer and didn't ask any questions. Um, but you could have been like, hey, what are these technological advances? Like, just ask. I mean, what's the worst they're going to say? No, obviously. But like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Uh, everything in the boat was period perfect from like the handles to the wallpaper to the paint. Everything was just on point except for the servers, which were built for their specifications. And again, Sunil did not ask questions. He was just, he was there to run his boat. His dream was coming true. And he never questioned anything until like right now because, you know, he's in love with Imogen. And we see a flash to Keith's desk and the safe that the phone was in. And that must be the safe that Imogen and Rufus were trying to get into. And, you know, he was drinking, waiting for a phone call. And he answers the phone and the voice on the other end of the phone says, like, you're going to keep us informed. You're going to tell us what's happening and uh, Sunil goes on to tell Imogen, like, I stopped the minute I found out what they did to your mother. And that's all well and good. But, like, that's, she's done. She's over it. I don't think they're going to end up together. And if they do, it's a relationship built on lies, Imogen. And we know that never works. Uh, Rufus asks how much these Victor Sam's people know. And Sunil tells them, I did not tell them anything. And he also did not tell them about the receipt or who he and Imogen met on land, the um, accountant there. And Sunil tries to explain to them, I just, I wanted to help or try and help. And the look on Imogen's face is she does not care um, she is very angry, and she just wants to tie him to a chair. Again, back with Trip and Anna at the bar. They're making cocktails, doing lines of cocaine, you know, party hard. Uh, Brad walks by, and they have to hide from Brad. And Anna goes, why are we hiding from, oh, you asked him for money. And he's like, yeah, I had to ask him for money because my little sister is the CEO, and I don't have anything. And she's like, I'm not CEO. Like, dad 
proved that wrong. And Trip's like, no, you're you're CEO. Like, let's be real. And Anna goes, no, Celia Chung is CEO. And she's, Anna is trying to figure it out. She's just trying to figure out whatever is going to happen with the Collier Foundation. And she also blurt blurts out to Trip that she fucked Eleanor. And she loves her wife, Layla, but she doesn't have to tell her. And actually, she doesn't need to tell her because they're going to get divorced. And Trip was like, what? She goes, well, she asked for it. Like, she wants to get a divorce. And Trip's like, damn, I really loved her. And Anna's like, well, she didn't love you. And he goes, yeah, I can see that. You know, we're both outsiders. And, you know, we see the outside world for what it is. You know, a joke. And we can tell who has spark and who doesn't. And Anna looks at Trip and asks him, like, do I have this spark you're talking about? And he, like, changes the subject and tells her, like, maybe you should try and get your wife back instead of, like, focusing on all this. Uh, we are now on the top deck where everyone is lunching. You know, the Chungs, Agent Hilda Erickson. Derek is recording about some big ass shrimp and we see Llewellyn enter onto the deck. He sees Hilda and he walks away. He sees the chuns and walks away and he's got a very demure look on his face. He is a man on a mission and he goes to sit down with father Toby and he tells him that Lawrence has agreed to everything with Celia's terms and you know they just got fucked up the ass and then he apologizes because father toby is a pastor a minister i don't know how the church works he's like in the church but can still get married i don't know and they have no more control in the company because if you remember the chuns now own 51 percent of the company and Llewellyn says maybe they deserve it we don't know why they deserve it, but maybe they deserve it. We now see Alex in her room and she grabs like the dossier, the blue folder. And she's coughing and she's on a mission as well. Her mission is Agent Hilda Erickson. And she finds her and tells her, I have very damning info on the Colliers. And Hilda gestures her to sit and join her. And she wants to talk and Agent Hilda is like, it's Sunday. Could we do this tomorrow? And Alexandria is like, no, we need to we need to do this now because I am in imminent danger. We like kind of all are. So she takes out her pocket watch, takes out a recorder and she starts recording. She says her whole spiel, Agent Hilda Erickson, badge number, whatever. The time is 2.34 p.m. Sunday the 27th and Alexandria needs assurance on immunity this is a career maker case she wants the document sealed when this is all done she will not testify and agent Hilda Erickson's like okay well let me see what you have before I agree to any of this fair enough 
Um, so she opens the dossier and she goes, is this a joke? And she's like, what? She goes, it's, it's blank. The dossier is blank. And in that moment, Alexandria like steps up and she's like, oh my God, they know they're on to me. Like it's the call years and she's coughing. And then she falls to the ground and she's coughing up blood and she seizes. And people are like, call the doctor. And the Chuns have a doctor with them and trying to save her life. Imogen is tying up Sunil. And her and Rufus are like, this is the perfect cover. This is a great way to, you know, conduct international blackmail and elude detection. Being on a boat, that's really never in the same place for very long. Um, You know... And why would they risk it all to kill Danny of like all people? That's weird. And Sunil doesn't know what Victor Sam's wants um, or how any of whatever this is works. And they're like, well, we have to call Agent Erickson because this is way bigger than we could have ever imagined. Uh, Trip now enters the deck. He sees Alexandria on the deck and he drops to his knees and it flashes to the night where she told him he doesn't know what his family is capable of and he remembers her saying that and he goes to attack Llewellyn. Uh, the deck is now a crime scene. Everyone must go back to their room. We need to get this vessel ashore so we can, you know, wrap up this murder now, too. This boat is wild. Anna apologizes to Llewellyn. You know, he wasn't wrong. And he, Llewellyn, see, Llewellyn is in the hall as she says this. And he's entering the elevator and he seems upset. We don't know why. Maybe it was Alexandria's death, but he seems visibly upset. We are now with Rufus, Imogen and agent Erickson. They're on the deck and she goes, no potatoes here. What she's saying it is, if you remember in the earlier episodes, she compares um, Danny's murder to meat and potatoes. You know, it's going to be laid out. We're going to, close the book it's going to be easy peasy lemon squeezy this is not that and Imogen asks Erickson if Victor Sam's means anything to her and Erickson just kind of like okay like blows her off doesn't put much thought into it and Rufus says that they're all in danger and you know what does Victor Sam's have to do with Alexandria they don't know um, Alexandria was trying to build a case and Im Imogen picks up the dossier and it's blank and obviously it was swapped out. Someone swapped it out and Victor Sams is possibly protecting the Colliers. This episode was wild. Again, I watched it the first time. I was very sick. I was like in and out of sleep, like awake. So I remember some of this, but like yesterday when taking these notes, my jaw was on the floor the whole time. I am, I don't know. I'm so confused, but it is so good. 
And it's vastly different than Only Murders in the Building, where, like, there are Easter eggs, sprinkles, this, I have no idea. I mean, not that I ever known Only Murders in the Building either, but, like, this, I have no idea. It's just murder after murder after murder after case after, like, it's it's wild. It's like they threw something at the wall and went, that's the storyline. Whereas Only Murders in the Building, there's usually the one murder they're trying to solve, and it leads to a couple other things getting solved, but, like, there's one. There's been, what, two murders now? Danny and Alexandria. And then, like, the third being Imogen's mom from 18 years prior. Like, shit's getting wild. And they figure they have to question the lawyer. So Agent Hilda is on the phone with Fredrickson, giving him a call. I'm wondering if Frederick somehow could be related to Victor Sims too. I don't know. Anything could be possible at this point. And they're looking at Alex's body and they figured she had to have been poisoned and this poison would have attacked the respiratory system so it had to get in her bloodstream versus like a, a drink, a concoction of sort. And so Imogen's looking over her body and like rolls up her sleeves and sees needle marks and the needle marks look real gross. Um, Ruva says necrotizing fasciitis. She's been dead for three days and didn't know it. So like it was slowly killing her and her organs were shutting down and she was dying. And so obviously this poison got injected to her while she was on board and they deduce it was those vitamin drips and who gave her those who was administering most of those vitamin drips yeah that's right imogen goes to jules and is talking to him while teddy and rufus go to winnie and winnie asks if the gov governor is dead alexandria and they know it was her and they can prove it because everyone saw her administering these vitamin drips to Alexandria. Um, anyone who got them should be worried now. Like Eleanor, she got them too. She should be worried. Um, and they go on to say like that she thought Keith was, you know, a rich asshole. And Rufus is like, no, he worked for me for 20 years. He worked for a narcissist, like a psychopath. He had nothing. And Winnie isn't remorseless at all. But Teddy goes, like, you're just lost and they took advantage of you. But I know deep down in there you have, like, actual feelings. And, you know, all the right things were being said, but they were all lies. And, you know, Teddy asks Winnie to to help but to stop all this like will you help us stop all this because this is just it's getting out of control um when he goes on to tell rufus and teddy for victor sams or whomever it is that is calling them they left flip phones in each of their rooms and he would call when he wanted something you know, he would call about the Ivy drip, about getting into a bar cart, about the man in 534. 
And Imogen yeah. goes to Winnie and asks her, who is Victor Sams? And Winnie's like, I don't know. And Winnie goes on to tell this story about a friend from hers from, I want to say late teens, not quite. They were, they were adults, but young adults. And her friend had got pregnant and wanted to keep the baby. So she got a job at a factory and, you know, making rubber things. And she went into contractions three months early and the baby died. It was either six and a half days later or six and a half hours later. And they did nothing. And the woman jumped from the building and killed herself because she was just so heartbroken. Well, six months after all that, Victor Sams did something and took that factory down. And I'm wondering if that's the same factory that gets linked later on in the episode. Winnie apologizes to Rufus about his friend and what she did to him. But it's always, I'm sorry, but says he must have been part of a, the bigger picture. He was killed for a purpose. So, like, I'm sorry, but I had to do it. Uh, Layla is still on top of cracking these servers. And she gets in. And she gets all these files pulled up on her page. And she clicks it, opens a new window, clicks something else, opens a new window. And she sees camera footage of trips with Alexandria doing all their stuff, cocaine and stuff to each other. She sees... um. Anna and Eleanor together. So Anna doesn't have to tell Layla what happened. Layla can see what happened. And then she also sees video footage of her with her contact. Phil, I believe his name was. But she sees the video footage of the night of her car accident that she had. Uh, Imogen and Rufus are back in Sunil's room. His phone is ringing, but they missed they missed the call. So Imogen looks at him and says, do you want to help? He goes, yeah, of course I do. Anything. She goes, hold still. She unlocks his phone with his face. And uh, the message is from the forensic accountant contact that they met in Malta. So this is his regular phone, like his regular iPhone he uses, not the flip phone from Victor Sam's. Uh, Tripp and Anna are very hungover laying on the floor of one of their rooms Imogen storms in and mentions like Yang Su China and just keeps saying it. And she goes on to say, you know, this factory used a banned carcinogenic poison chemical. And Anna looks at Imogen and says, well, Rufus has it out for us. And Imogen men mentions a receipt from 2005. And how long have they been paying blackmail to Victor Sam's? And that her mother was a warning shot. Her mother's murder was a warning shot. And then, you know, Anna goes on to say, no, I fixed it. I rebuilt the whole factory from scratch, like not used any of the poisons that are bad for people. And it bankrupt us. And, you know, I covered for them. I mean, and Anna is a criminal. And, or Anna, Imogen calls Anna 
pretty much a criminal. Like, you killed all these people. You guys are criminals. Well, Anna throws it back in Imogen's face saying, well, I know you've been stealing the company, stealing from the company for years. And Anna's like, oh, that's how you want to play? You knew I was stealing from the company for years and you sat on it so you could manipulate me. Like, this, like I, I still might have been stealing from your company, but you are still more of a dick than I am. And Anna goes on to say, you know, like, I have to let it go. We felt sorry for you. We paid, you know, we paid for your lifestyle. And she goes on to say, like, Imogen, you're so wrapped up in your trauma and you can't move past it. And Imogen looks at Anna and goes, at least it's my trauma to live in. Like, it is mine to be so sad about. You you don't have that. You grew up pretty much with a silver spoon in your mouth. Um, and Anna goes on to say, you know, my last name paid for your life. And she looks Imogen in the face and calls her an ungrateful cut fitness. If you don't know what cut fitness is, um, I will post a story on it on Instagram uh, at something.about.podcast explaining what cut fitness is a euphemism for. Not a euphemism. Like a nickname for because um, I might swear on this podcast, but I'm not going to say that word at least. Uh, we are now with Agent Hilda. And she is in Catherine and Lawrence's room, you know, looking for Lawrence. And Catherine goes on to say they knew Alexandria for 20 years. Toby is there to comfort her, of course. And Hilda's like, yeah, that's great. But where's Mr. Collier? I would I would like him here to also speak with him. But also, where is Mr. Collier? Where is he in this whole thing? We've seen him like three times. He put this whole thing together. We've seen him three times. Um, Agent Hilda Erickson mentions that they are waiting for reinforcements before they dock in Palermo. And no one can leave the city until this is all done and wrapped up. And Toby asks, or Hilda asks Toby to ask God to, you know, spare the rest of them. Because she may not believe in God. We don't know. But like, like enough people have died. That again, this this episode was wild. Teddy and Layla are going over the photos and videos and blackmail content on everyone. And Layla is watching the video of her soon-to-be ex-wife do a certain thing to Eleanor, and there's a whole folder on Winnie. We see Anna talking on the phone to Steve, asking Steve about what Imogen knows about Caption Blue and, like, was there a receipt? How did she find out? We see Toby and Catherine praying. And at this time, the power is slowly going out across the boat. And did Victor Sams do this? Is he watching? Teddy realizes she needs to go and turn on the backup generator. We have some like really expensive fish in the fridge. 
like 300,000 euros or something, something, some sort of super expensive, like sushi like fish is going to go bad if I don't get this backup generator going. And like, what am I doing? Why am I here? I have a job to do. Layla looks at Teddy and tells Teddy to ask yourself if this is where you are meant to be. And Teddy's like, I have a job to do and runs off to do the job. Imogen is walking to Rufus's room. The power is pretty much out. She's using her phone for light. But like, save your cell phone, like, girl. Save your cell phone battery. Like, there's no power. Did you bring up like one of those like backup batteries you slap on the back of your iPhone to charge it? No. Of course, they didn't think any of this was going to happen. Uh, she goes into Rufus's room. Anna knew about the workers being poisoned. It was all a cover-up. Victor Sams tied them to that. So now Victor Sams and the Colliers are bound together. And Rufus is like, well, we now have all the pieces to the puzzle. We need to make them fit together properly now. And we hear screaming on the deck. Llewellyn is, it looks like he's like piggybacked on a railing and he is threatening to jump overboard. He is punishing himself. Uh, He's punishing himself for Caption Blue. And Imogen is asking him this and he tells Imogen like, don't ask questions you don't want the answers to. And... Rufus asks him if he is in league with Victor Sams. And he Llewellyn goes on to say, like, the truth is staring him in the face and you missed it. You know, he calls Rufus a hack and he looks at Imogen and says, Kira deserved better. And I'm assuming Kira is Imogen's mom. I don't know if we've heard her name yet. And Llewellyn, while still looking at Imogen, says he loved her, and then he jumps. And he falls into the ocean with the Hope Diamond. Never to be seen. Just kidding. That's Titanic. But he jumps into the ocean. Imogen and Rufus are in Llewellyn's room. He knew something. And Imogen looks at Rufus's and like, well, you interviewed him back then. Did you know he was in love with my mom? Like, whatever you knew, you would have seen. She is saying this all to Rufus. And Imogen asks Rufus what what he learned. Like, what did you learn when you were trying to figure out my mom's case? And we see him pick up a poker chip. And we hear Rufus say, I'm not the world's greatest detective. And I never was. And we're at a poker game in some pub in 1992. And this guy has run out of money to, you know, place bets and play the next round. Well, he pulls out this necklace. And Rufus wins the necklace. And he's talking to the bartender. And the bartender says, you know, oh, that looks like the Contessa's jade necklace. And, you know, the Contessa had a nanny who taped over the lock so her Belgian boo could sneak in. 
which means the whole story he had mentioned in an episode prior when he was at the bar talking to Agent Hilda Erickson was a lie. The video we saw at the beginning of this episode was also a lie. And we hear Rufus continue. The truth is, there is no such thing as the world's greatest detective. It was an invention. It was a bluff. And I bluffed as long and as hard as I could. But I couldn't bluff my way through your mother's case. Uh, And we see a young Imogen. And... We hear the name Victor Sams and, you know, we see Rufus and he's telling her, you know, I'm going to see my way through this no matter what. And we're now present day. Imogen tells him he is a fraud and she tells him, I want to know everything. We are going to figure this out and I want to know what you missed. And Rufus looks at her and tells her, you're not going to like me very much when we're done. And Imogen looks at him and tells him back, I'll survive. And then the episode ends. And again, I have no idea what's going on. I don't know. I'm so confused. And I watched this with a clear mind, feeling so much better, paying attention. I don't know. I'm so, I've never been more confused by a show than this one. That's half a lie. Doctor Who confuses me a lot. But I know it'll all get wrapped up in the end and we'll figure it out. There could be a cliffhanger for another season and we'll be back here and I'll be saying the same thing. And now if it's going to follow the same pattern that only murders in the building follows, by episode eight, we should know who Victor Sam's is or who the head of this whole Victor Sam's operation is. That's if we're following the only murders in the building trope, whereby episode eight, we find out who the killer is. Episode nine, we see it is like narrated by the killer. and We see why they did it, how they did it. And then episode 10, it gets wrapped up with a bow. I still think by episode 10, it'll all be put back together. There'll probably be a new case, a new season, but I don't know. I have no fucking idea what's going on. Um, great episode, nonetheless. Um, I wish there was more of Rufus's narration. Mandy Patinkin has a wonderful voice, unlike myself, who is extra raspy because I had the flu. And if you have made it this far, I thank you so much for listening. Um, if you could rate, like, and review wherever it is you listen on podcasts, streams them whatever that would be great share it with a friend um follow on instagram i mentioned it earlier something dot about dot podcast i post a lot of things related to only murders in the building because that's really my true passion i post a lot of other bravo tropes because that's also my other passion but give us a follow there um comment i'm gonna put a new post up for this episode comment who you think did all this we know it's victor sams but like who is victor sams i'm thinking it's frederick the man on the other end of the phone that agent excuse me hilda erickson's always on the phone with but i don't know 
I could go on for hours. Uh, thank you for listening. Love you all. Bye.